0: We've been on a, uh, a subject on Sunday for some time that we're calling the Ministry of Reconciliation. And uh, we've been, I think maybe this may be our 12th lesson on it. And I think we're nearing the completion of this, this particular teaching But I feel like we weren't quite through with this, at least. Uh, Need to talk about it another time, at least. And so uh, let's get into it. Psalm 133, verse 1, he said, How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down the beard, even Aaron's beard, and went down the skirts of his garment. The dew of Hermon and the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. It is wonderful when we are in unity, in harmony. Well, by contrast, it's terrible when we're not, when we're in strife and we're fighting and there's animosity. And you'll notice where there's unity, there was uh, anointing and there was blessing. And you'll see that in the New Testament repeatedly when they were in one place, in one mind, in one accord, great things happened. The Spirit of God manifested anointing and blessing, miraculous things. And uh, it's no coincidence that the New Testament commandment is what? For us to love one another as this is believers, Christians, loving one another as he has loved us. And uh, numerous other scriptures in the New Testament encourage us and and even command us to be in unity and and not be in strife. And um, because of this, the enemy is always trying to stir up strife because he knows a house divided, church divided, a family divided, it'll fall. It can't stand. Well, he, does, does the enemy want you to fall or stand? He wants you to fall. And so that's why there are times you really have to show some strength not to cause a fight. Or participate in an argument and strife because the thoughts and the feelings just keep coming and just keep coming and just keep coming. The devil is a pusher. He pushes you. He's a a manipulator. And he's he's trying to just just keep bringing those thoughts and those feelings to you until you get so agitated that you go explode on somebody. And, of course, that makes them mad and upsets them. And and what you don't know is he's been pushing them too. And it can just get so bad that you just uh, write each other off. And you don't want anything to do with each other. Don't speak to each other for the next 15 years. This has happened too much. I'm talking about among Christians. But none of this is the will of God. None of it. Now, go with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians 5th chapter and the 17th verse, 2 Corinthians 5 17. He said, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things. Passed away, behold, all things have become new. Now that's not on the outside, because the day after you got born again, if you looked in the mirror, you looked just like you did the day before. All things are not new on the outside, but on the inside. There, There is an inner man, there's an outer man. The inner man was changed, actually was recreated. All things are of God, who's reconciled himself Reconciled us, rather, to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. You know, upon you being reconciled to God, you then take on the ministry of helping other people get reconciled to God. Did you know you have a ministry? Yes. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. I'm not talking about you being a preacher. You have a ministry of reconciliation. Do you care about people, whether they're lost or not? Then people that are at odds with God, you want them to be reconciled to God. Don't you? He will use you if you'll be open and unashamed and unafraid. He'll use you to help people see the reality of God and get reconciled to Him. You don't have to preach sermons. You don't have to quote a whole bunch of scriptures. You don't have to know Hebrew or Greek definitions of words. What you do need to be is unashamed of what the Lord has done for you. Right? And be a willing witness. Now, this this applies to you if you're 15 years old or if you're 95. It's exactly the same. You can be, you can be, should be. No, I said it wrong. You are a witness everywhere you go. The question is, are you a good one, <laughs> or not so good? What do you mean? The Lord said, you know, after the Spirit of God's come on you, you'll be witnesses unto me. The thing you are a, an eye witness of is what He did for you. You were there. When you got born again, you know what happened. You were there when he healed your body. You were there when he helped you get out of depression. You were there, right, when he helped you pay your bills. Now, you're an eyewitness. Who can tell you that didn't happen? I was there. It happened to me, right? (laughs) And what, you don't want to, you know, push something off on somebody if they don't want to hear it. But if anybody is amenable to it, and there are times and situations where they're going through things that they need, that you can say, well, I was right there. I was where you are. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and I, I, the Lord helped me to see this. And I called out to him. And I believed on him. And he saved me. Yeah. I was changed from the inside. Hallelujah. Yeah. I called on to him. And he healed me. Praise God. And whether you're in school, high school, university, on the job, profession, I don't care where you are, what's going on, that's who you are. Amen. That's what you are. And in the right situation, you should not be hesitant to speak right up. And say, well, let me tell you what he did for me. That's good. Amen. You're a witness. Keep going. He goes on to say, God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. We got a ministry of reconciliation, every single believer does, and our ministry involves this word or this message of reconciliation. What is that? God is not against you because of your sins and your failures and your mistakes. You don't have to become good enough to be back in fellowship with Him. Jesus paid for it. He paid for everything you did wrong. And God wants you to come to Him and to be in fellowship with Him, be reconciled to Him. Verse 20 Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. So you got, you're a new creation, you got a ministry, you got a message, and you got a title. Yeah. You're somebody, I'm telling you, you're you're an ambassador for Christ. As God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Now this is revelation. All of it is, but concerning what some would try to leave the impression, well, if Jesus has already paid for everybody's sins, past, present, and future, then they're already reconciled to God. They just don't know it. Not true. Is everybody listening? If that was true, then this is unnecessary. There doesn't need to be any ministry of reconciliation. There doesn't need to be us trying to tell anybody be reconciled to God, because they already are. Can you see this? No, it is true. Jesus took our place, became sin with our sin, paid the price for all the world. All sins for everybody, for all the world. Past, present, and future. That is true. He doesn't need to do anything else to pay for our mistakes. It's done. But you still must receive it. If you don't receive it, It's not true for you. You won't experience it. You won't enjoy it. There's a lot of talk about grace these days. And grace is one of the most amazing, wonderful things you could talk about. One thing to remember though, grace, another word for grace, is gift. All of God's grace are his gifts. The only gifts you enjoy are those you receive. receive? There's another side to enjoying a gift. Come on, can you see this? God has given us by His grace the new birth, forgiveness of sin, righteousness, holiness, peace, joy, healing, victory, protection, abundance, on and on. But how much of that will you enjoy? Only what you receive. And what you receive, you receive it by faith. It's typified by what happened with God's first covenant people that he delivered out of Egyptian bondage. He told them, if you read Deuteronomy and other places, he said, I have given you the land of Canaan. Not going to, not in the process. He said, I have given it to you. Then the next phrase he says, go up and possess it. Now that first generation, millions of people did not enjoy one day in Canaan's land their whole life. They wandered around out in the desert in circles and lived hard and died young and Hebrews says the works were finished for them to go into the promised land before the foundation of the world. It was not God's will or plan that they wander around out there. He intended for them to go straight through there and possess the promised land. But the first generation didn't do it. Even though God had given all that to them, they enjoyed none of it. What's given by grace must be received and possessed by faith. And God's not the one hindering our reception, but there's an enemy. Was there anything tried to hinder them? The next generation, they got tired of wandering around out in the desert. Is that right? And under Joshua's leadership, they said, we're going in. We're going to take it. But they weren't able to just uh, stroll right in. They ran into opposition, didn't they? They ran into giants. They ran into walls. They, They ran into iron chariots. But did that change the fact God had given it to him? No. no, he'd given it to him. So you got to have some, uh, some strength and you got to have some motivation and fight amen. the good fight yes. of faith yes. and lay hold yes. of what the Lord has given you yes. and be persistent yes. and not let anything tell you otherwise. Yes. Can you say amen? amen. And having been reconciled to God and learning how to receive by faith and live this life of walking with him, then we also want to get as many other people around us to come on in with us. Because there is no better life. There is no better thing. And there certainly is no better future (laughs) past this life. Go with me, please, to the book of uh, Matthew, the fifth chapter. Matthew 5 there's great revelation here. Matthew 5:21 I'm reading in the complete Jewish Bible on this particular passage. Matthew 5:21 Jesus said, You've heard that our fathers were told, do not murder, and that anyone who commits murder will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, that anyone who nurses anger against his brother will be subject to judgment. Now let's just stop right here. There are some who said, well, you know, Jesus taught and preached to people under the law. He did. But they go further and say, well, he, Jesus preached the law. He did not. And you'll hear some people say, well, the law was until Jesus. But what's written to us is only in the epistles. So they imply that the words of Jesus are not for us so much. This is completely wrong. Jesus did not teach or preach the law. If you read this whole fifth chapter, you'll see it so clearly. He'll say the law says this, but I say, (laughs) have you read that? He's not teaching the law. He's teaching the spirit of things instead of the legal letter. Don't you let anybody tell you that the words of Jesus are not for you. He said anyone who nurses anger against his brother will be subject to judgment. Whoever calls his brother you good for nothing will be brought to the Sanhedrin. Whoever says fool incurs the penalty of burning in the fire of Gehenna. Another way to say this, this uh, Good for nothing, one reason I read the the complete Jewish Bible is because the, the King James says Rekha, and you may not know what that's talking about. Anything that makes people feel less is evil. And all cussing and slander, that's the design of it. No cussing of people are slandering? You say, you know, you, you blankety blank, 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 blank. Never is that designed to build them up, <laughs> right? And make them feel better about yourself. It's different ways of saying you are nothing. You're nothing, and that's that's a big lie. Jesus didn't go to the cross and pay the price he did because you're nothing. And worth nothing. He paid the highest price that's ever been paid for anything. For you. And for me. And part of the ministry of reconciliation. Is not to tell people that they're worthless. The devil's doing that all the time. We're to tell people how much God thought of them. And thinks of them. And the lengths he went to. Right? So that they could be reconciled to him. Our job is not to tear down. Our job is to build up and to edify. So let's watch our words and, and, and not say anything that tears down and makes people feel less. That's what he's talking about here. Verse 23. So if you're offering your gift at the temple altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift where it is. By the altar, go make peace with your brother. I believe the King James says, be reconciled to your brother. Then come back and offer your gift. Now this is uh, something we should think about. I don't know how much we have thought about it. He said, and if you're bringing an offering, it'd be the, the comparable thing. It'd be like what we just did a few minutes ago. Bringing an offering and because this is our church, this is our place of worship bring in an offering and as you come in to give you realize I, I did something wrong against so and so not that you have something against them this said they have something against you mm. and you realize I did that and that hurt them and, and I, I shouldn't have done that, I, I did this and that was wrong what did Jesus say? Lay your offering aside. Get that fixed first. Then bring your offering. Why? Why you got to get it fixed first? What difference does it make? Y'all are quiet. How many believe the words of Jesus? Should we take this seriously? Yeah. Need to get it fixed first. Now see a lot of times people think, well, you know, I I love the Lord and me and him just like that. But but all these other people I can't stand. (laughs) (laughs) Well that's convenient because (laughs) But that's not what the scripture says. Scripture says if you love God and you hate your brother, you're a liar. Lying about what? You're lying about loving God. Go, go to 1 Peter, please. Third chapter. 1 Peter 3 and 1. He's talking to husbands and wives here in this passage. 1 Peter 3, 1. He said, Wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. If any obey not the word, they may without the word be won by the conversation or lifestyle of the wives. Verse 7. Likewise, you husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Does that sound like wives and husbands treating each other well? Treating each other nice, treating each other well. Then he tells you one of the reasons why. Why? That your prayers be not hindered. So if Phyllis and I Our fussing and fighting and being mean to each other. Could our prayers be hindered? Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Well, Jesus, why would Jesus say, don't bring your offering yet? Get that straightened out with them first. Then bring your offering. Why? Because it, it can hinder your offering. It can hinder your prayer. It can hinder your offering. It's not just being right with God, but he also expects us to treat each other right. Why? Because they're his child just like you are. Any parents in here love your child? Love your children? Yes? Well, even though they say, well, I love you, mama. I love you, daddy. But they treat their sister or brother like dirt and they're hurting them. Can that affect their relationship with you? Yes, it can. They still love you, but they're not okay with how you're treating brother or sister. Go with me to 1 John, please. 1 John, first chapter, verse three. 1 John 3 says, that which we have seen and heard, declare we to you that you also may have fellowship with us. Everybody say fellowship. Now that's what we've been talking about the whole time. When we say reconciled to God, you're talking about changing from being at odds with God to being in fellowship with God, in fellowship. He said, truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Keep reading. And these things write we to you that your joy may be full. You don't have joy when you have fought and fought and fought and you're not even on speaking terms. You don't have joy. But man, when everything's right between you and God and everything's right between you and your people. Come on, can you see this? You cannot just have some joy. You can have fullness of joy. Your joy can be full. Things won't give you this. You can have the latest, greatest clothes, house, cars, and it won't make you joyful. People think it will, but it won't. You can't even enjoy a good car unless the Lord's riding with you. You Anybody know what I'm talking about? And no matter what you got, if you've been so mean to everybody that nobody else will come to your party. Nobody else will ride in the car with you. Right? That takes a lot of the fun out of it too. A big part of the of enjoying a better house, a better car, all this, is people. You, what do you want to do immediately? You want to let somebody know. Right? I got this. Come see it. Come, let's take a ride. Come, let's grill in the backyard. Right? What? Come rejoice with me. Come share it with me. So it's not just the thing that that you're enjoying so much, you're enjoying fellowship. Oh, come on, can you see this? Your joy really comes with the fellowship with the Father and the people, and the thing is secondary. Keep reading. This is the message which we have heard of Him and declare to you God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Oh, this is, a, this is a powerful, powerful phrase. How much darkness is in him? Not any. Not any. Not even any tiny amount. None at all. And so when people try to imply that God has a dark side, you shut that off. Don't you hear a word of that? It simply is not true. In him is no darkness at all. Verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, what's going on? We're lying about what? We're lying about fellowshipping with him. Why? Because we're walking in darkness. And we're not doing the truth. Keep going. But if we walk in the light, as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin so that there's nothing between us and him. Amen. When God's looking at you and you've received, you've repented and you've received his forgiveness, his cleansing, his washing. Even if you messed up since you were born again, you confess that and you repented, you received when when he's fellowshipping with you, he's not seeing anything you did wrong. Oh, come on, are you all with me? As you're talking to him and praying to him, he doesn't have in the back of his mind what all the bad stuff you did last year or the year before, he does not. He's seeing you in the righteousness of Christ. He's seeing you. Why? Because... Jesus did it so you could be reconciled to the Father and you received it. Oh, somebody say, I receive it. I, I receive it. I receive it. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's as long as we're walking in the light. Listen to another way of describing this. To him that knows to do good and does it not. To him, it's sin. What does that mean? Well, what you know and see is light. Sin is violation of light. Keep going, verse 9. If we confess our sins. Now, now you need to connect this with the previous verses. What sin? You were walking in darkness, you were violating light. If you're doing that, what do you need to do? Some people would say nothing. Just be glad Jesus has paid for everything. But no, this says if we confess it. Why? Why does it need to be dealt with? We need to go all the way back to the garden. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God, listened to the devil instead of obeying God. Why didn't he just say, you know, you're messed up, but let's just forget about it and go on. Why didn't he just do that? <laughs> I'm getting looks from all over the crowd. People say, yeah, what's wrong with that? The wages of sin is Death. God is the righteous judge of all the earth. No matter how much he loves you or me, he won't pervert justice. He won't do anything that's not right for you, for me, or anybody. He'd change who he is if he did. And he had told them. Is that right? He told them, if you, if you disobey in the day you eat of that, you'll die. So if they don't die, he's a liar. Uh-uh. Now, I know people want to do this. People want to pretend I didn't miss it. And let's just not bring it up. Let's just not talk about it. But that's not how you become reconciled. That's not how it gets fixed. How many understand Adam and Eve had really messed up with God? Is that right? Really messed up with God. And according to God, it has to be fixed. Yes. Come on, say it out loud. It has to be fixed. Yes. This, this hiding, this pretending doesn't work. It doesn't cut it. The, the proverb says, if you cover your sins, you won't prosper. But if you'll confess them and forsake them, you'll get mercy. Hallelujah. Mercy. Grace. If you'll confess it, everybody say confess it, confess Confess it. it. There's some folks that have kind of spoken against repentance and implied it's not necessary because it's already been done. It has already been done, but you still got to receive it. And what if I violate light after I'm born again? Well, it's not that Jesus needs to go back to the cross or he needs to pay for anything else. It's paid for, but you need to receive something. Is that right? Yes. And if you don't admit that you made a mistake, then there's no reason to receive any cleansing or forgiveness. That's right. And if you don't receive any, your heart, not God, your heart will condemn you. Because yes. yes. you know, you violated light. You know you didn't do some things you should have done. You know you did some things you shouldn't have done. You know you didn't listen. You know you didn't obey. You're born again. You're a child of God. Your name's in the last book of life. you go into heaven when you die. But you also need to walk in full fellowship with him right down here now. Right. And there needs to be nothing between you and he and between you and others. And the way that's accomplished is that if you do mess up, What do you do? You confess it. You don't run from it. You don't cover it. You certainly don't lie about it. Come on, y'all with me, friends? You don't try to hide it. You don't run from God. You run to God. Oh, somebody say, "Thank thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're there in 1 John, I believe. Go to the third chapter and you'll see more specifically what we're talking about. I want you to say it again. It has to be dealt with. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 3 and 19. 1 John 3, 19. He said, Hereby we know that we're of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Assure what? Our heart. heart. For if our heart condemn us, if what condemns us? It is true that God's not condemning you for sins Jesus paid for. That is true. But it's also true that if you violate light right here, right now, even though you're born again, your heart will bother you. Now tell me you don't know that's true. 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 (laughs) Come on. You know Since you've been born again, has your heart ever bothered you about something you did or didn't do? That was, sometimes I've heard people say that they, I went to that, I was in that service and I heard that message and man, God really condemned me about some things. No, He didn't. No, you got it wrong. No. No, the Holy Spirit convinced you of the truth. And light and what is right. And in that light. You saw you had messed up. (laughs) And come short. And at that point. Your heart. Condemned you. Not God. God's not condemning me. Thank God. God's not condemning me. The Holy Spirit's not condemning me. But. If my heart is bothering me. I need to get that fixed. Don't I? If I don't, well, read read the very next thing. If our heart condemns us, back up to verse 20. If our heart condemns us, God's greater than our heart. He knows all things. What does that mean? Don't run from him. Don't try to hide. He already knows. Is that right? He already knows. Are you kidding? You can't hide anything from him. So what do you do? Run to him. And do what? Confess it. Lord, I, I knew better than that. I, I, I knew what, what your word says. I, I knew, well, well why did you do it? Flesh, right? Why did you do it? Lazy, what, whatever, you know. Verse 21, if our heart condemns us not, <laughs> then we have what? Confidence toward God to come right on up boldly to the very throne of grace. Who? You? Yeah. Me. With everything you've messed up and done. Yeah. But I've repented. And I've received forgiveness and cleansing and washing and that causes my heart to no longer condemn me because I know I'm washed by the blood of the Lamb and my confidence just comes right up. Hallelujah. And you can believe God for anything. We have confidence toward God. What's the next verse say? And whatever we ask, we get it. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. God. But now let's just stop right here. But what if you violate light, you do what you know you shouldn't have done. You don't do what you know you should, but you won't admit it. You won't repent. You won't confess it. You want to act like nothing happened. You want everybody to just pretend nothing happened. Let's go on. What's going to happen? Your heart is going to continue to condemn you and bother you. And you will not have confidence toward God. And you won't feel comfortable trying to draw near to God. You won't feel comfortable being around people if you think they know it and it's not dealt with. Right. Say it out loud. It must be, <laughs> must be dealt with. Must be dealt with. Why didn't God just look at Adam and Eve and go, I knew he was going to mess up. So just, just forget about it. Okay, let's just pretend this never happened. You might think that's a good idea, but you're not God. He had told them what would happen. Why? Because there are laws, spiritual laws that work and happen whether you think so or not. And when you violate and sin, death results. And, but thank God, he didn't just write us off. He could have left us in our condemnation and sin and destruction. He loved us so much. For God so loved the world, he was not content with us being separated from him. He wanted us to be able to come back in to close, intimate fellowship with him. And for him to be able to treat us like we had never made a mistake. And there was a way. I said there was a way. He could justly, righteously, fairly do it. If somebody else paid the price. Hallelujah. Who deserved no punishment. It had to be a man who had never sinned. And up to that point, that point Jesus came, that had never happened. But there came one. Born of a virgin. Oh, somebody say, Glory to God. Who lived and died and was tempted in all points, just like us, yet without sin. Never one sin. So, because he deserved no punishment of his own, he qualified to take our place, the spotless Lamb of God. Oh, somebody say, "Thank Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And because of that blood that was shed of his, to pay for that. There can be no reconciliation without redemption. Mm-hmm. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. It has to be fixed. Mm-hmm. Yes. The Bible said fools make a mock at sin. There are a lot of people today, even, even church-going people, they make light of sin. Oh, it's no big deal, you know. And just plan on sinning and say, well, you know, yeah, I'm going to mess up, but I'll just 1 John 1.9 it when I get through. You don't know how serious this is. You don't know what a price Jesus paid. No. We should walk in the light. You can go days. You can go weeks. You can go months. You can go years and not sin. Did you hear me say? Jesus went his entire life. Now there are people that tell you you can't go through a day without sinning. That's a lie. If you can't help but sin you shouldn't be required to repent. Because it's not really your fault. You couldn't help it. The very fact you have to repent shows you could have done something different. If you had been willing to and chosen to. Praise be to God. Let's just lift our hands right now and thank the Lord for what he's done for us. Lord, we thank you. We worship you. Thank you for paying the price. Thank you for making it possible that we could be reconciled to you. That we could have the fellowship, complete, fullness of peace and joy. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Just, just keep your eyes closed for a minute. If you, uh, if you know you need to make some things right with him. Do it right now. You don't have to walk an aisle. You don't have to tell somebody else. If it's between you and the Lord. If it is between you and your brother. You can make a commitment right now. That after the service. Or as soon as you can. You're going to endeavor to straighten that up with them. You're going to call them. Or talk to them. And uh, do what you need to do. But um, you've got to get your heart free of this self-condemnation. So just close your eyes and, and let me lead you in this prayer. And then we'll pray a little bit in the Spirit as well. Say it out loud, Father God, I believe in you. I believe in your Son, Jesus, the Christ, the Anointed One. I believe you sent him and he died on, the cross and died on the cross and paid the price and, the price. and redeemed me, and redeemed bought me from my, from my sins and that you, that you raised him from the dead and that he is alive right now. Jesus, Jesus. I, confess I confess you as Lord, as, Lord, as Savior, as Savior of, my of my life. I receive I What you've done for me. me. Now, uh, as we take just a moment, if you know you violated light, don't pretend you didn't do that. Don't ignore it. Deal with it right now. Do what he said. Confess it to him. You can do it inside you. You can do it under your breath. But confess it. It may just be a matter of you saying, Lord, I I, I know I did that. I, I know I shouldn't have. I don't care if you did it, you know, an hour ago, as still in the past, you say, I, I, I confess that's not right. I confess that's a violation of what I know. I, I confess, I judge that, and I judge myself that that's not right. And uh, I receive, come on, say it out loud. I, I well, Say it first of all this way, I judge myself. So I won't be judged. I I acknowledge acknowledge my sins, my my mistakes, my my violation of light. light. You know, the New Testament uses things to describe sin that you won't see in the Old Testament. It says whatever is not of faith is sin. And and not trusting him on something is sin. And there have been times that, that you didn't trust or we didn't trust. We should confess that. There have been times we didn't do what we knew to do. We should confess that. Not live in condemnation. Not think God's against us because he's not. But we've got to do something about this self-condemnation inside. We must receive. So it out loud, I repent for violating light. I repent for not trusting you. And I know you love me. And Jesus has paid for every sin. Every failure, every mistake, and by faith I receive. You said you are faithful and just when I confess something to forgive and to cleanse from all unrighteousness. I receive forgiveness, I receive cleansing. I receive washing. I receive 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 the righteousness righteousness of Christ. Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Lift your hands. Just in fact, begin to stand on your feet and begin to lift your hands. Let's thank the Lord. Let's praise the Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Oh, come on. Lift your hands and thank him. We thank you, we praise you, we worship you, we bless you, oh thank you Lord, thank you Lord, thank you Lord, oh praise you, praise you, praise you, we thank you.